Hello and welcome to the First Stand Football Show. I am your host, Tobias Brown, and we are back with episode five. And that's right, today is Hot Take Wednesday. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about all the recently fired head coaches, as well as all the now head coaching vacancies. I'm going to rank the most to least desirable head coaching openings. So we're going to look at what job I feel is the most desirable all the way down to the least desirable. I'll tell you why. We're also going to talk about what teams are looking at what coaches. So obviously right now we've got seven head coaching positions open. I'm going to tell you who's rumored for each position. Also let you know the couple GMs who have been let go as well. But before we get into all that, I want to talk about the national title game we saw Monday night. Um, obviously Georgia was able to knock off Alabama 33-18. to 18. Have to feel good for the Georgia Bulldogs, finally getting over the hump, over 40 years in between national titles. I know Georgia's been relevant for a number of years now. They've been pretty darn good ever since Kirby Smart got there. Obviously made it to a national title game a few years ago before Tua Tugavailoa and Devontae Smith really came onto the national scene with that epic comeback. But last night, it really felt like Georgia might, you know, just give in again, you know. You had the controversial call where they said Stenson Bennett fumbled the football. I already didn't agree with the call. I felt like his arm was clearly coming forward. But beyond that, then you have what they said was a clear fumble recovery for Bama, which again was very controversial. And then Bama turns around and scores. And it felt like after Bama scored, felt like that play really might do Georgia and might be the deciding factor in the football game. Georgia with a veteran quarterback, veteran head coach, really a veteran football team, calmed down, came right back out, took the lead on the next possession and never looked back. They, you know, played really tough defense. I mean, Bryce Young, he threw for over 300 yards, and nobody's going to say Bryce Young had a bad game. I know he threw two interceptions, including the pick six late in the game, but that was a young quarterback pressing, feeling like he had, you know, to make a play when really there wasn't a play there to be made. But his run game did not help him at all. Only 30 yards rushing for the Alabama Crimson Tide. When, mind you, in their semifinal game against Cincinnati, they ran for over 300 yards. So Bama could get nothing going on the ground. Credit that to that Georgia defense. They've got multiple, multiple high-round draft picks on that defense. But also, we can't ignore the fact that Bama was missing key players. John Mechie Jr. was out. Jamison Williams gets hurt in this game. It was later confirmed by Adam Schefter that Jamison Williams did tear his ACL, which is unfortunate. We hope he gets healthy. He looks like he's going to have a bright future in the NFL. Don't know how this affects his draft stock. It'll be... I expect him to fall. I mean, naturally, he tears his ACL. He wouldn't be ready for the start of an NFL season. So teams are probably going to be hesitant to take him in the first round. I don't think it'll affect him too much. I think it could be very similar to a Jalen Smith coming out of Notre Dame where he tore his ACL in the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State, fell from being probably a top 10 pick to the second round of the Cowboys. I could see something similar like that happening here with Jamison Williams. But first and foremost, you just hope he gets healthy. But Bama was also missing a couple starters on the defensive end. But they had Bryce Young. They still had Will Anderson. I mean, Bama was healthy outside of a few injuries. And and that's not to say that if Bama didn't have those guys, would this game be different? It very well could have been different. But the bottom line is you have to play the football game with the guys who are able to suit up. And Bama just did not get it done. And you can say, well, if they had Jamison Williams, if they had John Mechie, they would have been able to run the football 
more efficiently and effectively because Georgia wouldn't have been able to key on the run as much because obviously you've got the threat of those two streaking down the field. And that is true. But the, like I said, bottom line, you got to play with the game with who's available and Georgia came out on top and you have to feel great for guys like Stenson Bennett, Georgia's quarterback. You know, he's a former walk on who decided to stay the course, lost the job earlier in the year to former five-star JT Daniels when Daniels transferred in from USC. And it, I mean, that would have you in today's day and age of transfer portal. That's where you expect a quarterback to leave. Stenson Bennett definitely could play starting quarterback at other colleges. No, He's a Georgia guy. He stayed, won the job back, heard all the commotion about, hey, is he really right for the job? Stuck the course, won a national title. Hats off to him. Obviously, Kirby Smart being a Georgia alum, a former defensive back for the University of Georgia. This one felt really good for him. So you just have to root for the Georgia Bulldogs and what they were able to accomplish. But let's get into these coaching firings. We've got a number of coaches who have been fired. And I want to start with the most recent firing, you know, Tuesday, it came out that Joe judge had been relieved of his duties as the giants head coach. And I told you guys on the last episode, it had to be done. When you do things like run a QB sneak on third and nine from your own four yard line and justify it by saying we were trying to get room for the punter. If that's what's in your mind as a failing franchise, we just want room to punt the football. That tells me you're not in a rebuild mode. Not surprised at all to see Joe Judge go, especially given the fact that Dave Gettleman has made it known that he plans to retire. So Dave Gettleman, who is the Giants GM, he is going to be retiring. So it just makes sense. If you're going to be getting a new GM, Joe Judge, you know, his regime, it's not going anywhere since Judge took over the Giants. You know, he was in his second season this year. They ranked 32nd in points scored per game, a little over 16 a game. That's not going to get it done. And the bottom line is Joe Judge took over a franchise who really needed to see what they had in quarterback Daniel Jones. Obviously, he got hurt, didn't get to play the majority of the second half of the season. But in my opinion, we've seen the last of Daniel Jones as the starting quarterback in the New York Giants. That's the first hot take for Hot Take Wednesday. Daniel Jones is not going to be the starting quarterback of the New York Giants next year. And I am predicting the New York Giants with their first. Now, remember, they've got two top 10 picks in the upcoming draft. And I think they're going to use the first pick to draft quarterback Kenny Pickett from Pitt, from the University of Pittsburgh. I think Kenny Pickett probably, I think they have number five. I believe that is their first first round pick. I believe Pickett would slide in beautifully there. And the reason I say that is because Daniel Jones has not shown us anything to lead us to believe that he is capable of withstanding another regime. I mean, usually when you're on your third regime since you've gone into the NFL, it's not boding well for you getting to stick it out. And I don't think that you're going to convince a coach worth his weight to come take that Giants job if he's told, hey, by the way, Daniel Jones is going to be your starting quarterback. New head coach, new GM. They have no ties to Daniel Jones. I expect Jones to be out. I expect Kenny Pickett to be in. Um, But looking at some of these other jobs, we've got the Bears, Matt Nagy out. We knew Matt Nagy would be gone. It was just a matter of how soon would he be gone. He was gone Monday morning. They also let go GM Ryan Pace. That one was a little bit of a up in the air. There was some confusion on whether or not Pace would be let go. The Bears decided to clean house. They let go of both Nagy and Pace. And the Bears have already talked about who they'd be looking to interview. They've requested to interview Brian Flores. Flores, of course, was fired by the Dolphins, surprisingly, on Monday. 
And in my opinion, Flores will pick up a head coaching job. Flores is not going to be without work this year. I don't think he's going to have to be a coordinator. I think he gets a head coaching gig. Um, They're also looking at interviewing former Falcons head coach and current Dallas Cowboy defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, as well as Indianapolis Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus. Also looking at Doug Peterson, former Eagles head coach, won a Super Bowl with them. Byron Leftwich, current Tampa Bay Buccaneer offensive coordinator. Todd Bowles, current Tampa Bay defensive coordinator. And then Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. And there's more candidates, but those are really the big ones that the Bears are looking at. And in my opinion, if you're the Bears, I don't have a problem with you looking at a defensive coach. Obviously, you know, the conventional wisdom says you've got a young quarterback. You need to go get a young offensive mind to help mold the young quarterback. And in my opinion, that's not necessary because guess what? The Bears went that route when they hired Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy was the young up-and-coming offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs at the time he was hired by the Chicago Bears. They had a young quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky, and the working theory was, well, Nagy will come in and he'll mold Mitchell Trubisky. And we've seen how that worked out. They made the play also a couple times. Nagy won coach of the year, but look, Trubisky was the backup for the Buffalo Bills this past year, and Nagy's on the streets looking for a job. Clearly, it didn't work out. I don't think you have to go with conventional wisdom here. I think there are several. I mean, for one, if they hired Brian Flores, to me, this team instantly gets tougher. This team will instantly be tougher, and I don't mind the Brian Flores hire. And here's my thinking with hiring a guy like Brian Flores, clearly a defensive guy. You saw what he did with the Miami Dolphins defense this past year. I mean, seriously, the Dolphins had guys like Emmanuel Ogba as their leading sack guy. They had guys like Andrew Van Ginkle playing major roles on their defense. Neither of those guys are, you know, instilling fear in offensive coordinators, you know, sleep or anything, but Brian Flores was able to win with guys like that. He had back-to-back winning records at Miami. So I really think Brian Flores would be a nice hire for them. And then you go get a young offensive mind to come in as, you know, offensive coordinator or even quarterbacks coach. You know, Joe Brady, who was the offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers this past year, he got fired during the season, which I think the Matt Rule did that more because Matt Rule realized that if he didn't fire somebody, Matt Rule was going to get fired, so he did the whole wall, fire the offensive coordinator so I can stick around for another year. But it wasn't that long ago that Joe Brady was the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach for LSU when LSU had Joe Burrow and was winning the national title. And you can say, well, LSU had Joe Burrow, they had Jamar Chase, they had Justin Jefferson. That offense was full of elite superstars that we've seen do amazing things in the NFL, and you are correct. But before Joe Burrow got with Joe Brady, Joe Burrow couldn't see the field at Ohio State. And before Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson got with Joe Brady, the LSU passing attack was anemic. So Joe Brady was able to tap into those guys' potential. I don't think that you can judge Joe Brady off what he looked like this year with guys like P.J. Walker and Sam Darnold as his talent to work with. I think if you put a young guy like Joe Brady in a system with the Justin Fields where his only job is to coach up Justin Fields, he doesn't have to worry about calling all the offensive plays, but you bring in a Joe Brady as a quarterback's coach for Justin Fields, I think that that could do wonders for his potential. Um, Obviously, we talked about Brian Flores being fired by the Miami Dolphins. 
that one was the shocker. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody really understood why the Dolphins fired Brian Flores. He had back-to-back winning seasons for the first time since like 05 for the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins have not been relevant for a long time. They were like relevant for a like brief moment when they decided they wanted to run the Wildcat again with Ronnie Brown. But that's really the only relevancy the Miami Dolphins have had in a while in the NFL. And the bottom line is Stephen Ross, the Dolphins owner, came out and said, well, it was a differing opinion. You know, we just we wanted to do what was going to work best for our team and we weren't all working well together, whatever that means. In my personal opinion, what it means is if you remember last year when Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick were the quarterbacks in Miami, Fitzpatrick started as the quarterback. The Dolphins actually looked competitive. They actually had a winning record. And then all of a sudden we're going to start Tua after the bye. And then Tua looks disastrous. So we're going to go back to Fitzpatrick. And then, oh no, we're going to go back to Tua because we have to, because he was a high round draft pick. And you just never really felt like there was much traction in the decision-making. I really think that Brian Flores wanted Ryan Fitzpatrick as the starting quarterback because Brian Flores is like, look, Fitz gives us the best chance to win. Tua, when it's his time, he'll take the job. But right now it wasn't. But Stephen Ross, he wants his young guys out there. He wants the high round draft pick out there. And you can see it. Stephen Ross has shown us every sign that he wants Tua as the long-term starter which, in my opinion, too, has not done anything to earn that. If To me, if you had to pick between Brian Flores or Tua Tagovailoa right now, I'm picking Brian Flores all day. And it shows several Miami Dolphin players have come out, you know, most notably their long snapper Blake Ferguson came out. He was very upset. Xavier Howard came out, their, you know, star corner, very upset. A lot of players are very, very, very upset with this firing of Brian Flores. Now, the Dolphins are looking for someone who's going to work better with their system. Again, whatever that means, who knows? I, in my opinion, I don't even know who, who wants that job in Miami because now what's the what's the standard in Miami? Brian Flores led you to back-to-back winning seasons. Now, I'll give you Flores and the Dolphins started the year out 1-7, and seven, and it was looking pretty rough. But they ended with a winning record and a win against the New England Patriots who are going to the playoffs. I mean, the Miami Dolphins, if things go a couple different ways, the Miami Dolphins are a playoff team. But the Dolphins, they are looking at interviewing Dan Quinn, like we said, former Atlanta Falcon head coach, current you know, defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think that's a bad hire, but we've seen Dan Quinn, you know, look at those last few years in Atlanta. It was, it was pretty tough. Dan Quinn, he did take the Atlanta Falcons to a Super Bowl. I'll give you that. They made a Super Bowl. They blew a 28 to three lead. We all know what happened there, but I really think a lot of that had to do with Kyle Shanahan being the offensive coordinator at the time, because as soon as Shanahan left and took the starting job, you know, the head coaching position with the San Francisco 49ers, I mean, it went downhill, and it went downhill fast in Atlanta. But Dolphins looking at Dan Quinn, also looking at current Arizona Cardinal defensive coordinator Vance Joseph. Vance Joseph is the former head coach of the Denver Broncos. Um, Nothing really impressive there, in my opinion. I mean, I, I don't really, to me, if you want a defensive mind, Dan Quinn and Vance Joseph aren't moving the needle. You need to call Brian Flores back and say, hey, sorry, we were really stupid there. Would you want to come back? They are looking at a couple offensive minds. They're looking at Mike McDaniel, who is the current offensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. In my opinion, Mike McDaniel is going to be a lot like a Mac, Matt Nagy. You know, when Nagy got hired as a Chicago Bears, you know, head coach, everyone said, well, he was the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. Look how great the Chiefs offense has been. But he wasn't the play caller. And just because you have the title offensive coordinator does not mean you're the play caller. Everybody knows out there in San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan is the one calling the plays. So, yes, Mike McDonald, Mike McDaniel is the offensive coordinator 
of the San Francisco 49ers. So yes, that's going to look nice, you know, when he's interviewing, but he's not the play caller. In my opinion, I don't really agree with that one. Kellen Moore, though, is an interesting one to me. Kellen Moore's the current offensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys, former backup quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, former standout quarterback at the Boise State University. That's an interesting one to me because he's a young offensive mind, young guy. Could he come in and work with the Tua Tagovailoa? You know, he's was a backup to Dak Prescott, has been Dak's offensive coordinator for the last, you know, couple of years. Could be interesting to see with that one. The Minnesota Vikings, they move on from both their head coach and GM. Mike Zimmer is out and Rick Spielman is out as well. People were a little surprised with the Rick Spielman one, given the fact that he's been with the Vikings franchise since 2006. I completely understand it. If you look at the Minnesota Vikings, I mean, it's just a train wreck. Where And we'll get into it in more detail when we rank, you know, most appealing to least appealing. Um, but they just, they don't have much to work with right now. The Vikings have played it a little close to the vest. They haven't really came out with who exactly they're looking to interview. Um, but there is one really big rumor going around with that Vikings head coaching position. And that is that the Minnesota Vikings are interesting, interested in bringing in Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin, the current head coach at Ole Miss, the Vikings are interested in potentially bringing him in. I don't know that I would do that. I actually can tell you with utmost certainty I would not do that. But if the Vikings are looking to make a splash, doesn't get much splashier than Lane Kiffin coming in. Um, we talked about Vic Fangio being let go in the last podcast. You know, we knew that one was coming. There was really no shocker there. But Fangio's been let go. The Broncos have released some of their candidates that they're looking at. They're looking at Dan Quinn as well. Dan Quinn's a pretty popular guy. His name's going to get thrown out there a lot because he has the respect of the NFL community with how long he's been a coach in the NFL. You know, before he took the gig in Atlanta, he was the defensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks back when they had the Legion of Boom. So there's no real surprise that Dan Quinn's getting a lot of looks. Um, but they're also looking at Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy is a guy that people have felt has deserved a head coaching job in the NFL for quite some time now. He's the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, another guy the Broncos are looking at is Gerard Mayo. Gerard Mayo is on the New England Patriots coaching staff. Um, there's some questions as to exactly what his role is with the New England Patriots coaching staff. But Gerard Mayo is also a longtime NFL vet. He played linebacker for the Patriots for a number of years. So there's going to be that player relatability, him being able to relate to guys on the NFL grind level and also just clearly a very smart football player if Belichick takes you from the you know field and puts you on his sideline with him on his coaching staff so could be an interesting one there they've got some other guys Luke Getze um, current quarterbacks coach for the Green Bay Packers you know they've got some guys here who it could be interesting to look at um, the other team Jacksonville Jaguars Urban Meyer we we know Urban uh, Urban that was painful bud uh, you should have stuck in the booth. That's all I can say to Urban on that one. But the Jags, you know, they've got Byron Leftwich they're looking at, Kellen Moore they're looking at, Bill O'Brien. We don't know why they're looking at him, but there is a growing belief that Bill O'Brien could end up in Jacksonville. Um, I just, I don't understand that. I, to me, if, if anything, if I'm Jacksonville, give Jim Caldwell a call. I mean, Jim Caldwell at least took the Detroit Lions to 8-8, eight and, eight, and I think he's a well-respected voice in NFL locker rooms. I think if he brought Jim Caldwell in, he'll he'll instantly make your football team tougher. And again, if you go and get a you know defensive mind, you know you could bring in a young guy like a Joe Brady to mold a Trevor Lawrence. To me, 
I, I don't understand the whole Bill O'Brien, Byron Leftwich, Kellen Moore. It's got to be an offensive coordinator. We've seen teams do that in the past with young quarterbacks. They go and they get offensive coordinators or offensive minds, and it doesn't work out. Um, I think Jacksonville needs to expand their coaching horizon there. Um, the Oakland, I mean, the Las Vegas Raiders, my bad. The Las Vegas Raiders are technically still an open job because Rich Basaccia is still only the interim coach. There's been rumors about Jim Harbaugh going there. I addressed that in the last episode. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I think the Raiders need to give Rich Basaccia the job now, especially given the fact that he got him into the playoffs. But they haven't done it yet, so technically the Raiders are still an open position. Um, Raiders obviously haven't come out and said who they would be interviewing because they're in the playoffs right now. Um, but with that, we're going to rank these coaching openings, these head coaching options from what I would think would be the most desirable to the least desirable. And starting off with the most desirable, I have the Denver Broncos as my most desirable head coaching availability right now. And I know that's going to surprise some people because the Broncos most obviously do not have a starting quarterback. I mean, who is their starting quarterback this past year? It was Teddy Bridgewater with Drew Locke coming in sparingly, really didn't clear up anything. And the Broncos have a lot of impending free agents as far as Teddy Bridgewater is one of them. So the guy who started at quarterback for you for most of the year is an impending free agent. You know, they've got some other free agents here, Melvin Gordon, the running back. Um, several guys, several key players in the secondary, Kyle Fuller, Bryce Callahan, Kareem Jackson, but there's just so much young talent on this Denver Broncos team. I mean, whether it be Javante Williams at running back, the rookie back out of North Carolina State, Jerry Judy at wide receiver. I, I really like Quinn Myers, Miners, the you know rookie offensive lineman out of Wisconsin-Whitewater. I think he's going to develop nicely. Bradley Chubb on the defensive line. They just There's so much young talent. That's not even getting into the secondary. Even though they've got three impending free agents, for one, they've got $43 million in cap space to work with. That's the 10th most in the NFL, and I expect them to use some of it to re-sign guys like Kareem Jackson and like Bryce Callahan. Bryce Callahan's one of the best slot corners in football. I don't see Denver letting him leave, but a guy like Kyle Fuller has become somewhat expendable because they drafted Patrick Sertan in the first round, the corner out of Alabama, and he's been an instant hit. You know, I think that some of these free agents, Denver's got guys who can slide right in. I mean, Melvin Gordon, he was, you know, a running back by committee. I think Javante Williams can take over the full workload next year. In my opinion, there's not really any outside of quarterback. If you put a feasible quarterback, I'm not even saying a superstar quarterback, just a respectable quarterback on this Denver Broncos team this year. To me, I think they make the playoffs and they might've actually won the AFC West. And here's what's so sad about the Denver Broncos. You know, coming into this past season, they could have had Matthew Stafford. There was a deal in place between Denver and Detroit for Stafford to go to Denver. The only hangup was Detroit wanted Drew Locke in the trade. That was kind of Detroit's big thing is they needed to get a quarterback back. They weren't going to roll out there with either David Blau or Tim Boyle. And so they said, hey, give us Drew Locke in this trade. Denver refused to move on from Drew Locke, which, you know, hindsight 2020 makes no sense to me. It makes zero sense. You would not trade Drew Locke for Matthew Stafford, but then you wouldn't even roll Drew Locke out there as your starting quarterback this year. You could have had Matt Stafford. And I'm not saying Matt Stafford is the best quarterback in the NFL. I'm not even saying he's top five. But with this you know, roster, if you put Matt Stafford on that team, in my opinion, they are a playoff team and a deep playoff team at that. That's why I've got Denver at number one, because I think if they solve that quarterback position, they're going to be a dangerous team. Number two, the most, the second most appealing job, in my opinion, is the Miami Dolphins. Really, my big hangup 
is they have a delusional owner. They have an owner who I just don't think he understands where they are as a franchise. And I, in my opinion, that job shouldn't even be available. Brian Flores should still be their coach. But with that being said, let's look at the Dolphins. They have the second most amount of cap space in the NFL, $72 million worth of cap space for this upcoming season. That's a lot of money. You can do a lot of things with that. They've got a great defense. You've got Byron Jones. You've got Xavier Howard. They've got a lot of talent in that secondary. Noah Igbenogamy, the second-year corner out of Auburn. Obviously, Tua, jury's still out there, but he could be a nice trade piece. There's also talks that they could go get Deshaun Watson again. You bring Deshaun Watson in, as long as his legal issues get cleared up, he's instantly a top six to seven quarterback in the NFL. Um, So the Dolphins are very appealing. They do have some upcoming free agents, some guys that will be interesting to see what they do. Will Fuller at receiver, Albert Wilson at receiver. Neither one of those guys are their true number one receiver. Obviously, I think, you know, Devontae Parker has... Devontae Parker's been there the longest in that receiver room, but Jalen Waddell has established himself as the true number one in Miami. A combo of Waddell and Devontae Parker, and then you just bring in a third, I think would be fine. I think you could easily let Will Fuller walk. He's injury prone. Albert Wilson just depends on what he wants. Alandon Roberts, the linebacker, former New England Patriot. Um, I could see them re-signing him. Jacoby Bursett will be gone, backup quarterback. Don't really need to bring him back. And Emmanuel Ogba, I could definitely see the Dolphins looking to lock up Ogba, depending on if somebody will overpay for him on the open market. But those are really the key free agents for that Dolphins team. They're not really, there's not a whole lot. What the Dolphins need to worry about is their offensive line. They've spent a lot of draft capital on that O-line, and none of it's paid off. You know, they drafted Liam Eikenberg at a Notre Dame this past season. Last year, they spent a first-round pick on Austin Jackson at a USC, and he has looked abysmal. Robert Hunt at guard has not really materialized. Solomon Kinley, another interior lineman, has not really materialized. They got Jesse Davis on the line. I mean, a lot of it's just patchwork. I the Dolphins need to go get a big time lineman. You know, maybe they shouldn't have traded a you know Laramie Tunsil, although you got a lot of draft capital for him. So, kind of flip a coin there. But the third most desirable job, in my opinion, is that Las Vegas Raiders job, and really it's because they're a playoff team right now. With their current roster, they are a playoff team. Can't really slide into a better job than that. But the reason I don't have them at number one for one. They do have a lot of holes, you know. They won a lot of games on game-winning kicks this year, um, and that offensive line definitely needs to be upgraded. I mean, Richie Incognito is an impending free agent. I don't expect them to bring him back. I don't think Brandon Parker's a long-term answer answer at tackle. Obviously, you don't move on from Alex Leatherwood after this year. He was a rookie, first-round pick. You have to give him another shot. You know, really, other than Colton Miller and Leatherwood, I think the other three offensive line positions need to be upgraded. Um, I think if you can upgrade from Leatherwood, you do it. I just don't think that Mike Mayock and the Raiders will do it because they just spent a first-round pick on him. But looking at you know some other things that kind of keep me from bumping up that Raiders job on the desirability list is the fact that they are 12th in cap space, $39 million in cap is a nice amount, but they've got some free agents that they need to look to re-sign. Casey Hayward, the corner, I think is somebody they need to bring back, especially given the fact that their cornerback room has not been, you know, the most effective this year. Zay Jones at receiver, I think is somebody they would be wise to try and bring back. Quentin Jefferson, the defensive lineman, has played good for them at times. I probably see them moving on from Marcus Mariota. He's been a serviceable backup the last couple of years, but I do think that Mariota may be in a position to look for a little bit of a bigger job, maybe compete for a starting job somewhere. Jalen Richard, reserve running back, 
don't really need to bring him back unless you're not going to bring back Kenyon Drake. Um, Jonathan Hankins, D-Lineman, and Nicholas Morrow at linebacker. So they've got a lot of guys who are going to be coming into free agency. Who do they bring back? Who do they not bring back? Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do there, but they they, they got to fix that line. That line has got to get fixed because I don't think that line is going to be – it's not going to get you back to the playoffs next year. they got to get a better offensive line. My fourth most intriguing job, though, is that Jacksonville Jaguar job. And really the main reason is they have Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is, you know, the Jaguars job is kind of like a kid in a candy shop job. You've got the quarterback. Everybody would tell you that Trevor Lawrence, in their opinion, can still play in the NFL. And you got the third most amount of cap space in the NFL, $63 million. You've got the number one overall pick for next year. Whether you use it on an Aiden Hutchinson or a Kayvon Thibodeau, or you trade back, you trade back and use it to get more capital and get even more talent. I mean, really what the Jaguars have is it's a nice position to be in. The problem is, is they have so many holes, so many holes. You know, you look at it, they're impending free agents and a lot of offensive linemen, Andrew Norwell, the guard, AJ can Cam Robinson at tackle. I don't look for them to bring Cam Robinson back. They franchise tagged him this past year. I think they move on from him in the off season. If nothing else, it's because they drafted Walker Little in the second round this past year, tackle out of Stanford, and I think you have to see what you have in Walker Little, and I don't think you give Cam Robinson a big deal, big contract. Not really sure they'll bring back Andrew Norwell, you know, veteran guard, might look to get a little younger at the position, but they've got to they've got to solidify that line because as we've seen, if you don't have a solid offensive line for these young quarterbacks it can really hurt them in their development. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Jaguars do there. Uh, former first round pick Taven Bryan on the defensive line. He's another impending free agent. I would say his time in Jacksonville is more than likely over. He's been quite the bust in my personal opinion. I don't th- see Jacksonville giving him a lot of money unless he wants to take a small little one, two year deal and come back. That would be the only way he returns to Jacksonville. And then, you know, linebacker, Damian Wilson, um, Damian Wilson really, flashed in that week 18 game against the Colts had a pick had some sacks um be interesting to see if they wanted to bring him back you know they moved on from Joe Schobert this past season when they traded him to Pittsburgh so we'll see what Jacksonville chooses to do there but they've got a lot of holes um need to get better at that receiver position in my opinion they've got some nice guys but when Laquan Treadwell is having to be you know, really your number two receiver that's a problem Treadwell former first round pick at Ole Miss he can be like a nice little three option maybe a four but i in my opinion the jags were having to rely on him too much for my liking so jacksonville kind of middle of the road job for me five i'm i'm putting the chicago bears there i know a lot of people would say well they've got the young quarterback they've got justin fields how are they not higher on your list well for one the jackson i mean the chicago bears they they just they have just as many if not more holes than the jacksonville jaguars they need to fix their offensive line. You know, they spent a second round pick on the tackle, Tevin Jenkins at Oklahoma state. He immediately hurts his back. Miss most, most of the year. They tried to fix that issue by bringing in veteran Jason Peters. Jason Peters showed it's time for himself to retire. Um, They've just got so many holes on that offensive line. You know, Sam Mustafer, Cody white here, those guys, they could probably come back next year and play pretty well for the Colt. I mean, for the bears, but they've got to fix the tackle spots. The tackle spots are probably the two biggest glaring needs on that offensive line. They've got a lot of free agents, you know, Allen Robinson at receiver. They had to franchise tag him this past year. I don't think they did anything for him to want to stay in Chicago. I look for him to move on. Um, Akeem Hicks, the defensive tackle who 
He's a veteran player. I could see him moving on as well. Andy Dalton and Nick Foles, your two backup quarterbacks. I expect both of them to be gone. Jimmy Graham at tight end. Really wouldn't be surprised if Jimmy Graham retires. He didn't do a whole lot this year. Jermaine Effetti, um, I hope they move on from Jermaine Effetti. There is absolutely no reason to roll Jermaine Effetti out there as a starter. Deshaun Gibson, the starting safety. Uh, so they got a lot of holes. They do have some cap space to work with the 11th most cap space in the NFL at $43 million. So a lot of holes, a little bit of money to work with, but I, you know, they're not going to have a first round pick trading when they, since they traded up to get Justin Fields in the draft, not going to have a first round pick. It's going to be going to be really what it's going to rely on for the bears is going to be, who do you bring in at GM? Who do you bring in at coach? Can they develop Justin Fields? Because if not the, the bears, this could be a nightmare. The sixth most appealing job though, in my opinion is the New York giants. In my opinion, the Giants need to do a complete rebuild. They need to, they need to rebuild in the sense that you got to move on from Daniel Jones. Um, Daniel Jones, the experiment didn't work. Uh, I could definitely say it's a waste of a first-round pick drafting him sixth overall. People will tell you you always take the quarterback, and I'm okay with always taking the quarterback, but nobody else was going to take Daniel Jones at sixth overall. So if you wanted Daniel Jones when you were picking at six, and you knew nobody else was going to take Daniel Jones trade back and go get him in the middle of the first round. But then you've got the extra capital, but they stuck through their guns. They drafted him at six. Then guess what? Joe judge is out. Dave Gettleman's out. And in my opinion, like I said earlier, I think they're going to be drafting a Kenny Pickett in the first round this year. The only redeeming thing for the giants is they've got two top 10 picks in this upcoming draft. So there is a chance if you get a Kenny Pickett and then another cornerstone player, you could easily be looking at a draft that sets you up for the future. We've seen, Probably most notably the team who's done it the best in the first round, believe it or not. If you look at the 2018 draft from the Cleveland Browns, you know, they took Baker number one and we can say, well, Baker hasn't panned out completely. But when you get Baker and Denzel Ward in the first round, that's a really nice draft. And obviously the Browns, you know, you look at what they did in the second round on top of that, bringing in Nick Chubb and those first three picks to have Baker Denzel Ward and Nick Chubb. If the Giants could emulate a draft like that and pull something off like that, that could be springboarding this Giants team into a very nice position. But the problem with the Giants is they do not have a lot of cap room to work with. They're currently 28th in cap space. They are $3 million over the cap for the upcoming 2022 season. Um, they've got a lot of impending free agents as far as guys who it'll be interesting to see if they bring back. Evan Ingram, former first-round tight end. I do not know if they'll bring Evan Ingram back. My personal opinion, I don't think they should but I don't really know where they would go if they didn't bring him back. So could almost be uh we bring him back out of necessity. Jabril Peppers, former first round safety. He was originally drafted by the Cleveland Browns and was brought over in a trade. Um, Peppers has played nice for them and it'll it really for Peppers. It's going to depend on what does the rest of the NFL value his market at. He's easily a guy I could see them bringing back, but I don't think the giants will have the ability to overpay. So if it becomes a bidding war, they're going to have to let him go. Former, Ohio State Buckeye Billy Price, the offensive lineman. He's another one of their free agents. Reserve defensive lineman Austin Johnson. And then really the other big one is tackle Nate Solder, former first-round pick out of the University of Colorado. Um, the Giants paid a lot of money to bring him in from New England a couple years ago. In my opinion, you got to move on from Nate Solder, though. You drafted Andrew Thomas in the first round last year, tackle out of Georgia. And then the third round, you drafted a tackle out of UConn, Matt Parrott. And Matt Parrott 
playing last year looked like he had potential. In my opinion, you got to move on from Nate Solder. It doesn't make sense to re-sign him, especially given your cap space. I think you're more than likely going to have to roll out there with an Andrew Thomas and Matt Parrott. And although they've shown potential, I don't like the idea of potentially having to start a rookie quarterback with Andrew Thomas and Matt Parrott as his tackles. And really, they're cap space in general is just why they're so low on my list of appealing jobs but last but not least that minnesota vikings job to me is the least appealing job out of all openings and people are going to tell me why they've got arguably the best wide receiver tandem in the nfl adam thielen you know justin jefferson they've got kirk cousins at quarterback that's a good quarterback why wouldn't you want to go coach there well guess what the Minnesota Vikings are 30th in available cap space for the 2022 season. They're $14 million over the cap. They're going to have to get rid of people. And they've got free agents who I don't really know they can afford to lose. Patrick Peterson, corner. He is a free agent. Patrick Peterson is the only corner on that team right now who's worth anything. Cameron Dantzler, we talked about, has not really done anything. Middle round pick out of Mississippi State. Jeff Gladney has had so many off-the-field issues, it's not even funny. Anthony Barr at linebackers, another free agent. Sheldon Richardson, the defensive lineman, another free agent. They have an already weak defensive unit with a lot of impending free agents. Um, like I said, being $14 million over the cap, they're going to have to cut people, and they're going to have to cut good people because you're going to have to get get under the cap. Don't be surprised to see a guy like Garrett Bradbury at center go. In my opinion, that's a you know move that's needed to happen for a while. I don't think Garrett Bradbury's been very good. I could see them moving on from him. Um, I don't know, though. Could they move on from tackle Brian O'Neill? Would he have a trade market? Brian O'Neill is, you know, he's a serviceable right tackle. There are teams out there who, if they slid Brian O'Neill in at right tackle, their offensive line becomes, I mean, I one team in mind is the Las Vegas Raiders. If the Raiders were told they could go get a Brian O'Neill and put him at right tackle, their offensive line instantly gets better. If you took Brian O'Neill and put him at right tackle and you could get rid of Brandon Parker on that offensive line for the Raiders, the Raiders instantly become a much better football team. So it'd be interesting to see where the Vikings move on from him. And you say, well, could it be time to move on from Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins has a base salary of $35 million for next season, but he carries a cap hit of $45 million. So obviously bonuses, incentives, anything like that. So he accounts for 21.24% of the Minnesota Vikings salary cap for next season. You can't move on from him. There's, there is no possible way for them, you know, in my opinion, to move on from Cousins in the sense that if they, you know, if they cut him, they're going to be eating some dead money. And then on top of that, you're not going to get anybody to take him. Nobody's going to pay Kirk Cousins that. Any quarterback needy team would rather go look at a Gardner Minshew, a Marcus Mariota, a Ryan Fitzpatrick. I can name several other quarterbacks I'd rather take before I would take on that Kirk Cousins contract. So the Minnesota Vikings are in a really tough spot. And they've got a lot of hole. I mean, their offensive line still needs rework. They've thrown a lot of darts at the board for that line, taking um, Christian Darisol in the first round this past year out of Virginia Tech. They took Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State the year before that in the second round. Garrett Bradbury's a former first-round pick. They spent a first-round pick out of on Pat Elfline several years ago. He's already gone. Riley Reef is gone. He played in Cincinnati this year. You know, they, their offensive line needs a lot of work. You can't be rolling out guys like Dakota Dozier on that O-line anymore. So they, they need a lot of help, in my opinion. They're going to need to get a third wide receiver because Adam Thielen has shown he is injury prone. I think they're going to have to decide what they do with Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook has shown he's injury prone. And if you are that over the cap, could you embrace a full rebuild? I think it's something Minnesota needs to think about. 
we've seen Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen alone are not going to get you into the playoffs. And if they were to potentially get you into the playoffs, they're not going to get you far into the playoffs. So could the Minnesota Vikings look at trading a guy like Dalvin Cook, look at trading a guy like Adam Thielen and rebuilding? It'd be interesting to see what Minnesota does there. But those are the seven coaching openings and what I think are the most appealing. Before we wrap up here, I did want to tell you guys about some other just minor coaching you know, openings, the Carolina Panthers are going to be looking for an offensive coordinator. The reason I bring that up is because one name they've talked about is former Washington Redskins, you know, now Washington football team head coach, Jay Gruden. Gruden was the coach there for several years. Um, he is being rumored to be of potential interest to them. They also fired several assistant coaches. So clearly Carolina is going you know, basically gutting their staff in hopes that that will save Matt Rule. Um, they fired special teams coordinator Chase Blackburn, who's a former NFL linebacker, as well as defensive line coach Frank Oakham and offensive line coach Pat Meyer. So they're looking for several new coaches. It'd be interesting to see what that staff looks like in Carolina come next season. A couple other things wanted to hit you guys with real quick before we I let you go. Um, the Senior Bowl. Senior Bowl is one of those fun uh, pre-draft all-star games to watch it usually you see guys springboard themselves into draft consideration that was really where Quinn Miners um the division three Wisconsin Whitewater lineman who went in the third round of the Denver Broncos that's really how he came onto the scene was at the senior bowl this year it's going to be coached by the Detroit Lions coaching staff and the New York Jets coaching staff I know a lot of people laugh about that and go wow who wants to be coached up by Robert Sala and Dan Campbell and I'll tell you I think that's actually going to be good for a lot of these players Dan Campbell and Robert Sala are very fiery guys they're going to push these guys pretty hard I think it's going to be really interesting to watch that senior bowl this year but that's all we've got today for you guys um we will be back friday with a playoff preview pod we'll be previewing each and every upcoming weekend playoff game and dissecting those in greater detail like i said that's all we got don't be afraid rate subscribe review the podcast but we'll see you later have a good one